Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode two of the Leech Lounge. I'm your man, Hunter Leach, and we're going to be talking about a variety of topics all around sports, such as the Home Run Derby, the All-Star Game, MLB Draft, some news in the NHL, NBA, and NFL, and a bunch more. Let's just jump right into it. So for starters, I want to talk about the Home Run Derby since that has recently ended. And how about Pete Alonzo? Pete Alonzo now has won his second Home Run Derby. You could say back-to-back years, but because of COVID, it's not really back-to-back years. So from a technicality, has won the Home Run Derby back-to-back. He won it back in 2019, and now he's the 2021 Home Run Derby champ. Some highlights of Alonzo's huge derby that he had uh he had 35 home runs in the first round which is the most ever in the first round and he had 76 total home runs in the home run derby for a career of 131 so he's only been in two and he's won them both and he has a total of 131 and by the way in only two derbies that he's participated in he already has the career high of anybody who's participated in the home run derby And you got to think of it like Ken Griffey Jr. has won the most home run derbies of three and he hasn't even had 131. That just shows you how good Pete Alonso is. The guy was so confident coming into this and after the first round, he honestly deserved it. I didn't want to see Pete Alonso win this, to be honest. Everybody wanted to watch Shohei. I'll get to that in a minute. But Pete Alonso just, man, he put on a show and I got to give him a lot of credit. I think he did a really good job. Huge congrats to Pete Alonzo. I think he deserves it. That was a wonderful job that he did. There's not really much to say other than that. Then he's the champ. I'm sure he will be back in it next year. And I wouldn't put it past him being the three-time champ next year. So the next thing I wanted to do is I wanted to rank every single matchup. So there were seven matchups, four in the first round, two in the next round, and then there was the final. So coming in dead last, the worst matchup of the seven was in the first round, Joey Gallo versus Trevor Story. This was a bad, bad matchup. First of all, Story had one of the worst first rounds. He only put up 20. And when you really think of it, Story, he kept talking about the whole matchup that he was going to have an advantage. Oh, I have an advantage because I'm used to this. I play here. Well, he really didn't. Seemed to struggle for the most part. And talk about disappointments. Joey Gallo the guy that everybody wanted to see in the home run derby. This guy, I personally wanted to see him in it too. He put up 19 and lost to Trevor Story in the first round. I can't even believe that something like that has even happened, that Joey Gallo lost in the first round, and we had that bad of a matchup. Coming in at number six, it's Trevor Story versus Trey Mancini. And the only reason that this is this low is because Trevor Story just was putting on so many low home run totals. Trey Mancini put on a show in that in that matchup, but let me let me be honest, just Trevor Story was just as much as it was fun to see the hometown guy, Trevor Story just wasn't it. At number five, it's Pete Alonso versus Juan Soto. Juan Soto, after getting past Otani in the first round, really didn't do much in the second, and Pete Alonso really just made quick work of him. Number four, Matt Olson versus Trey Mancini. That was a great matchup. I think Matt Olson, you know, he started off really rough but he really started to come back and he lost by one. It seemed to be the common theme in the first round. And Trey Mancini just looked great. He took that timeout early after he was struggling on and Trey Mancini blew it up. And number three is Salvador Perez and Pete Alonso. So this is where Pete Alonso hit 35 home runs. And 
it's kind of sad that nobody really paid attention to Salvador Perez in this round because Perez hit 28. I'm going to be honest. If Pete Alonso doesn't hit first, then Salvador Perez looks like he might win that. I think it would have been more interesting to see what would have happened if Perez went first because once Perez started heating up with like the last minute and a half left in his one minute of bonus time, first of all, Alonso was like, no, I'm not worried at all. I got to give Perez credit. It was just the luck of the draw. I think Perez got the absolute worst matchup. I think I'd really like to see him in again at next year. Please don't put him up against Alonzo, though. Coming in number two, it's the finals. Alonzo versus Mancini. Mancini, again, had an absolute amazing round. It's just the fact that he went up against Pete Alonzo. And the fact that Pete Alonzo beat Mancini with like a minute left on his home run hitting time is just insane. That just shows you just how good Pete Alonzo was. Mancini could have hit 30 plus and Alonzo still probably would have beat it. And coming in number one, it's Shohei Otani versus Juan Soto. This was the best matchup. No, not just because it went multiple rounds between the two. The fact that Otani did so poorly in his first minute, the fact that he only had two home runs in his first minute at bat, and he put up 20 in the last two, and then him and Soto went to extra time in the one-minute hit-off and then the three-swing at-bats, just really shows you just how good that matchup really was. The crowd was really into it. It's a shame that Otani went down the way that he did. Everybody was there to see Otani. I know a lot of people had the guy winning. It was so exciting to see Otani do what he did in that matchup. Let me just give credit to Juan Soto because Juan Soto, he was hitting him, pulling him out to right. He was hitting opposite field to left. He was hitting him dead center. He hit the longest ball of the night at 520 feet. Hats off to Juan Soto because he did a great job. I know he's been struggling this season, and he really just, I think this is a huge confidence booster for him. Moving on to the All-Star game. No real shocker. The AL defeated the NL by a score of 5-2. to two. This is the AL's eighth straight win. Shohei Otani gets the win at pitcher. He only pitched an inning, but still, Shohei Otani, he's going to go down as the winner, and that's huge. That's a big resume item. And Vladdy Guerrero Jr. walks away with the All-Star MVP. So overall, it was an entertaining game. Not a high-scoring game that we would really expect than we usually get a five to two game isn't the most exciting game but just the amount of star power that we had in here and just seeing everybody else come in and out of the game it was a lot of fun to see and i'm really hoping that next year's all-star game is even better and the star power we could possibly see then next we're going to keep it on the mlb side and we're going to move to the mlb draft so the mlb draft wrapped up For the first time ever, I don't know if anybody else has noticed this, but has the MLB draft ever been televised? This is the first time I've ever seen it. It was on ESPN. First of all, MLB picked the absolute worst time to put this on. Listen, nobody cared that the MLB draft was on. Yeah, there's going to be people watching it. Out of the four big four sports, the NFL, NBA, and NHL, and MLB, the MLB is the lowest rated and least liked and least viewed draft because it's just not interesting and because it's never been televised now that it's finally on espn that gives it something but still nobody cared and considering the fact that all the other televised things that were going on nobody cared so i'm just going to go through the top 10 picks and 
kind of just give a quick overview of them. I'm not going to go too deep into them being, you know, raw prospects and there's not really much you can really say about them, especially when half of them are high schoolers. So first of all, of the top 10 picks, five of them are high schoolers, five collegiate, five were pitchers, two shortstops, two outfielders, and one catcher. Going first overall to the Pittsburgh Pirates was Henry Davis of Louisville. He's the catcher. At number two, the Rangers selected Jack Leiter, a pitcher out of Vanderbilt. Tigers selected Jackson Job, right-handed pitcher out of Heritage Hall High in Oklahoma. The Red Sox selected Marcelo Mayer, shortstop out of East Lake High out of California. Baltimore Orioles selected Colton Kouser, outfielder out of Sam Houston. Diamondbacks selected Jordan Lawler, shortstop out of Jesuit Prep in Texas. Royals selected Frank Mazzucato, a left-handed pitcher out of East Catholic High in Connecticut. Rockies selected Benny Montgomery, outfielder out of Redland High, PA. Angels selected Sam Buckman, pitcher out of Miami, Ohio. And the Mets selected Kumar Rocker, pitcher out of Vanderbilt. Overall, pretty simple top 10. I think a lot of the people that were in here were projected to go top 10 for the most part. Of the teams that I think had a really good draft, I think the Pirates, from overall talent out of everything, you can go look up what they did. The Pirates, I think, had one of the best drafts. The Red Sox had a very good draft, and the Tigers had a very good draft. Probably the team that I think struggled the most, it had to be the Astros, mainly because they've had a lot of their picks stripped away due to the cheating scandal. That's what happens when you cheat. And probably the most interesting fact of the draft, it's actually kind of funny. So the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim had 20 picks in the MLB draft, and they used all 20 on just pitchers. I know that the Angels have struggled to find pitchers, and the only real pitcher that they have right now is Shohei Otani, and that guy can do both. I mean, you think you pick 20 pitchers, one's bound to hit, am I right? Hopefully the Angels figure that out, but the MLB draft, that's about as much as a rundown. I want to go into it because the MLB draft, there's not really much to really pull from, especially when a bunch of them are from high school. There's not much you know about these players. Shifting on over to the NHL, I want to give first a congratulations to Pekka Rene as he is retiring after his 15th season in the NHL. He spent all 15 seasons with the Nashville Predators. And just a little career oversight with him. He had 683 games played, 369 wins, which is 19th all-time, 213 losses and 75 overtime losses slash ties. 60 shutouts, which is also 19th all-time, and ended with a career save average of 917 and a 2.43 goals against average. And just some quick overall achievements that Rene established in his career. He's a three-time All-Star, a one-time Vesna winner, a one-time King Clancy Memorial winner. He's a second-team All-Star, and he's a first-team All-Star. And he's only gotten them once each. So Pecorino had a pretty good overall career, I would say, especially for a guy who was drafted in the eighth round he was drafted the last year that they had the eighth round and pecorino you know when you get drafted in the eighth round you're not really expected to do much i would say he definitely exceeded expectations and i think he deserves everything that has come his way i'm really proud and really glad to see what pecorino has done in his career because he just deserves everything that he's done now will pecorino ever make the hall of fame that's really close because yeah 19th all-time in wins and shutouts is great. He's a Vesna winner. He's been to the Stanley Cup Finals. He hasn't won it. But honestly, I think eventually he will get into the Hockey Hall of Fame. I think, especially as a Nashville Predator, I think with his loyalty 
stats and just with a little bit of his achievements thrown in there, I think the recent all-stars and then the Vesna really helps his case. I think the first team all team really helps. I personally want to say that Rene is going to get in. I don't think 100% he does, but I want to say for the most part, yes, Pecorino will make it. Some other NHL news, the Edmonton Oilers traded for Duncan Keith. In exchange, they gave up Caleb Jones and a conditional 2022 draft pick. And also in exchange for, they got, not only did they get Duncan Keith, they got Tim Soderlin, who's a young prospect for the Oilers. Can we just talk about how much, how much of a joke the Edmonton Oilers are in this league? You have two superstar talents in Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl. You have other great talents, such as Ryan Nugent Hopkins, Jesse Poljarvi filling out your lineup, James Neal, a young veteran player. You have a defense that's filled with Oscar Clefbaum when he's healthy, Darnell Nurse, Evan Boucher is on the up and up, and they still find a way to make these terrible signings or trades. I think Ken Holland, man, has proved that he is a bad GM, and I think that it's only going to get worse from here. I mean, we do realize that Ken Holland made the Detroit Red Wings the way that they are right now. The Detroit Red Wings have been bad for the past couple of years because of Ken Holland's incompetence. And now he's over here making the Oilers another joke of the league. Now, I know they're not the Buffalo Sabres, but still, the Oilers are just bad. And it's it's really not worth being an Oilers fan right now. I mean, let's be honest. Watch the Edmonton Oilers not make the playoffs next year and Connor McDavid request a trade out. It wouldn't surprise me one bit. Get it together, Edmonton. But one of the biggest things that's coming up in the NHL is the Seattle expansion. So July 17th, teams are going to need to have their protected players list into the league. And then on July 21st, the expansion draft's going to happen for Seattle, which is where they get to pick a player from each individual team, except Vegas. Vegas is exempt from this since they have joined the league more recently. And then on July 23rd and the 24th, the NHL draft will begin. And here is the NHL draft order. Here's just the top 10. So selecting number one overall is the Buffalo Sabres. They probably got the worst year to get the number one pick because this year is kind of a weird year where there's not really a generational talent and there's no definitive number one pick. Sorry, Buffalo fans. Number two, the Seattle Kraken. They will select number two. Number three, the Anaheim Ducks. Number four, the New Jersey Devils. Five, Columbus Blue Jackets. Six, Detroit Red Wings. Seven, San Jose Sharks. Eight, Los Angeles Kings. Nine, Vancouver Canucks. And rounding out the top 10, the Ottawa Senators. And the last big interesting thing that I saw that happened in the NHL, a lot of things are going on in the NHL, and it's the offseason really hasn't even begun. The Minnesota Wild recently bought out Zach Parise and Ryan Suter. First of all, these guys had 13-year-long contracts for huge amounts, and the Minnesota Wild have been one of the most mediocre franchises. Now that they finally got a huge prospect in Kaprizov, and he's been making rumors about he wants to go back to the KHL, I've always been saying that the Wild were never going to be a legit contender until Parise and Suter eventually got off that team because that was just so much money. Now that you buy them out, that is a $13 million dead cap that Minnesota has to deal with. So that's $13 million taken away from Minnesota's cap that they can never use until those contracts are up. And that is a long time from now. Maybe the Minnesota Wild know what they're doing. Maybe these prospects will work out. Maybe they'll be back into the postseason next year. I'd like to hope so because the state of hockey needs some help. Minnesota fans in general, they're struggling, man. Between the Timberwolves, the Twins, the Vikings, and the Wild, it's bad. It's not good to be a Minnesota fan. 
Let's talk about UFC real quick. Uh, McGregor Poirier is the big, big story. Poirier obviously won via doctor's decision at the end of the first round. I know that there's a lot of things going on, like McGregor, the way he spoke after the matchup, how Poirier may have cheated in the matchup with putting his toes in the cage. But the real big question everybody's talking about, do I think that McGregor is done? No. I mentioned in the last episode that, yeah, Conor McGregor doesn't have the heart that he had. So here's an interesting fact for you. Since 2008, since President Obama was inaugurated into office, Conor McGregor has won one fight. Of his five fights since 2008, Conor McGregor has won one fight. One fight. It's almost like embarrassing to say that. And the last one was against Cowboy, where he won in 15 seconds, 10 seconds. I, I, I just don't see any confidence from McGregor. I don't like what McGregor's doing. It, it just doesn't seem like he really has that heart anymore. Again, he's accomplished everything that he's wanted to do. Poirier, I feel like he's a really big star for UFC. I think UFC, this really hurts as a brand when you lose a big star like McGregor. I don't think he's going anywhere. I do think there will be a McGregor versus Poirier 4. I mean, they've already confirmed that. They've already promoted it. Personally, I think I think we've seen the best of McGregor, unfortunately. I hate to say that because I love watching Conor McGregor. He's just so entertaining. He knows how to market himself. And I think just personally, McGregor was great for the sport. He's the reason UFC is as big as it is now. When will we see his next fight? I don't know because he's going to be on crutches for the next six weeks. Then he said it's back to training. I wish him the best. I wish him a full recovery. I really hope that McGregor works his butt off and we do get a McGregor Poirier four because that that last fight, that wasn't, that should not be the end. That should not have been the end of number three. No, that's not how you end a trilogy. In a doctor's decision, I mean, come on, man. But it is what it is. There's There's no going back to it. It happened, it happened. Quick little NBA news. NBA 2K22 has released its cover athletes. Luka Doncic of the Dallas Mavericks is going to be the main cover star for the new game. Candace Parker is going to be on a new like extended edition for 2K, and she is now becoming the first WNBA player to grace the cover of NBA 2K. So congratulations to Candace Parker. WNBA has been in the game now for the past couple couple of years. It's nice to see that they're going to be and the fact that they're going to be on the cover. So I guess it's pretty cool. So we have three athletes of different generations on the anniversary edition. So it's probably going to be a huge, like $100. We have Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Dirk Nowitzki, and Kevin Durant. That's pretty cool. Three different generations, three completely different players. And I personally think that's the best cover. That one looks sweet. I got to ask, though, will will 2K ever go back to its glory days? Does this does this mark, does 2K really think that they're going to go back to being what they were, the top game in all of sports? Because right now I think it's MLB the show. But will 2K ever, ever get back to doing what they did best, and that was making quality games? Don't get me wrong, 2K is still great, but 2K is nowhere near what they used to be because it's so pay to win especially when if you're going to be one of those my park my player guys 
it's so pay to win. I mean, you could just get a guy, pay a hundred bucks for VC coins, make your guy 99 overall, go to my park and dominate. It's not fun. All sports games are pay to win now. You know, just that's how they make their money. And it's a shame that these big corporations are making it like 2K and EA. I, I, I personally think the glory days are over. I hope the game gets better. I really do. I mean, we're just going to have to see from there. But when are we going to see releases from other big sports titles such as EA? When are we going to see FIFA, NHL, NCAA? When are we going to see that? Pretty soon, I would say FIFA would be within... I mean, we've already seen like little hints of FIFA, but I would say that would be pretty soon. NHL is probably going to be the end of July, early August. I want to say they're going to wait till after they're going to wait till after the Seattle expansion. I could see that as a marketing tool during the NHL draft or after. I want to say that NHL they they want to get the Seattle stuff done first and then they're going to move into that. But FIFA is easy and NCAA I have no idea when that's going to get started. So now I want to talk about some NFL news. Recently, the Washington football team announced that in the 2021-22 season, this will be their last year known as the football team. Their colors will stay the same and that they do have a lot of options for names and that they've already sort of came up with some options of what they've what they would like. And there are rumors that the name that they've already sort of picked does have Native American ties. So I don't really know where that goes because I don't really know what other names to really think of that would have those sort of ties. Of the list that I saw of possible names, here are the four that I like, and then I'm going to say which of them is my favorite. The ones that I've picked, I have the Presidents, the Red Tails, the Red Wolves, and the Warriors. First of all, here are the reasonings why I like them. Number one, the Presidents, you're in D.C., like, come on now. The Presidents is perfect. When you think of other teams around the D.C. area, other than the Washington Wizards, obviously, you have the Capitals and the Nationals. Perfect D.C. names. When you think of this, the Presidents would be a perfect name. It, it really ties in well to the city of D.C. It's great. It's a great connection. For the Red Tails, this is something I feel like has a Native American connection. If you're unfamiliar what the Red Tail is, it is that the Tuskegee Airmen flew, and they are originally from D.C., and it's actually in the Smithsonian in the Aerospace Museum. And again, that's a great connection to the city. The Red Wolves, this one's my favorite. I just think it's really cool. The fact that you're going to keep red into it is awesome. And what's not more intimidating than a wolf? There's not many Wolves logos out there. I mean, yeah, you got the Timberwolves, but... So much you could do with this, and we've never seen a football team with it. I feel like for as aggressive as they have made logos in the NFL and other leagues, I feel like you know some graphic designers can make a really cool logo out of this. And then for the last one, Warriors, yeah, it's it's not the best because I guess you could say, oh, well, the Golden State Warriors. Warriors is just a cool name in general, and you think of it, the Washington Warriors. It's a powerful name. It's cool. Those are my four. I think Red Wolves is awesome. All the other ones either have a connection or they just sound awesome. I'm interested to see what they do. I'm glad they're sticking with the same colors. I think it's kind of cool to see them as the football team one more year. I know it's a running joke. They're like a butt end of every joke. But again, it's cool. We love them. And the last NFL thing I want to talk about real quick, something that happened really recently today. Richard Sherman just got arrested. 
the former Seattle Seahawk and current San Francisco 49er, but maybe not for long. Richard Sherman was arrested for burglary and domestic violence, and he was given without bail. So he ain't getting out there. He ain't getting out anytime soon. Well, I mean, Richard Sherman, he's been talking the talk for a very long time, and, well, Richard, I guess you said it best yourself. That's the result you're going to get. It's a shame that, you know, Richard Sherman being as good, he's, good as he was at football, at one point he was the number one corner in the game to see where he is. So many NFL players and athletes in general just end up doing stupid things like this, and it's a shame. Maybe this is a wake-up call for him. He seems like he's calmed down a lot more over the years, but I guess not. He turned into a cat burglar, and now he's doing domestic violence. So I hope you found what you were looking for, Richard Sherman. Maybe somebody stole an old jersey of yours that you signed. It didn't mean to, so it is It is what it is, man. You You do your own thing. And the U.S. men's basketball team, I, I just want to talk about them real quick because they lost two straight exhibition games when they lost to Nigeria and Australia. They lost to Nigeria 90-87. They lost to Argentina 91-83. And they finally got their first win when they faced Argentina again. But this time they won 108-80. So winning by 28, that seems more like the U.S. men's basketball team that we're used to. And granted, I know a lot of people compared them to the 96 Dream Team because they lost their first exhibition game. U.S. men's basketball team, even even in their win against Australia, they didn't look great. They just haven't looked like the teams in the past, or they're not even looking like the NBA guys that we know, like good NBA guys. Can they recover their form? Yeah, I think they can. I, I think in exhibition games such as upcoming ones in July 16th against Argentina again, July 18th versus Spain, and then the real Olympic games start July 25th against France, July 28th against Iran, and then July 31st against the Czech Republic. And then after that, once we hit August, it's the round of eliminations. So this that's like the beginning matchups. But I hope you figure things out, USA men's basketball team. You got a lot of star power on that roster, and we're rooting for you guys out there. Like, come on now. You, Quit trying to draw fouls. That's one of the biggest things I have with the U.S. men's basketball team. And it's one of the biggest problems I have with the NBA right now. I'm sorry I'm about to rant on this. But they all try for these cheap fouls where they, like, kind of bump into a player and they do, like, this little, this little like, ah, he, he clipped me or, ah, he pushed me in the midair. And they're not calling it in the international stage. And all the players are out there tweeting, hey, there's no calls. They're not calling anything. And I love it. Where are these Olympic refs in the real NBA? I'd love this. This would make NBA basketball so much better because fouls in the NBA, yes, they're necessary, but it slows down the game so much that it's just unbearable to watch. And I think watching this in the Olympic stage, in the international and Olympic stage, it makes it so much more enjoyable to finally see them not call as many fouls. I hope they do something like this in the future with the NBA, but only time will tell. And the last thing I want to talk about, I mentioned it in the last episode, the Euro finals are over and Italy has beaten England and they beat them in penalties, but still what a game that, what a finish that was, huh? Italy captures their second Euro championship all time. And this was their first Euro win since 1966. Italy had the longest drought by any country who's ever won a Euro championship before. So 
good for Italy. Congratulations. But man, does it have to be bad to be an England fan right now or be from England. When it came down to those penalties and I saw that England scored and Italy got their save, I thought England was going to win. But you're telling me you were up by a goal and you missed three straight penalties. You you can't you can't get any more embarrassing than that. And from all the TikTok memes that I've seen over the past week now, July just really isn't your month, is it, England? I'm sorry to say it, but July really isn't your month. And since 1776, England's just been holding L's ever since. Sorry to end it that abruptly. I know that's a really bad ending as for the last topic of the day, but you know what? It had to be said. England, that was embarrassing, but congratulations to Italy. It was well-deserved. So that about wrapped things up here for episode two of the Leech Lounge. Episode three will come out sometime next week around Wednesday or Thursday. I'd like to keep consistently posting episodes once every week, probably towards the middle of the week when I have the weekend and a little bit of the week to kind of catch up on some news of sports and just gain all the information I can to, you know, prep and then record the episode and edit everything. But I want to thank everybody for joining me here on episode two. If you haven't already, go ahead and listen to episode one from last week. It's been a pleasure talking about everything today. I have been Hunter Leach, and thank you all for listening to The Leach Lounge. I hope you have a great rest of your day, and thank you for listening to The Leach Lounge.